All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 65 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Julian Gill, the admin on the Kiss FAQ message board. And joining me today, Marcus Almighty. Mark, welcome back. Hello, sir. Lonnie, stranger. Good to see you again. Thank you, sir. And, and well, that, of course, St. Louis guest. And Ken, 69th Blizzard. Hello. Welcome back, gentlemen, for another fun-filled episode where we annoy people. Um, quickly, though, that music that everyone else just heard listening to the show is the new theme tune. So big props to you, Mark, for putting that together for us. That's a vast improvement on my electric noodling. So th- thank you very much for taking the time to do that and uh, listen to the rest of it at the end of the show because we use half of it for the intro, half for the outro. So thank you, Mark. Not a problem. Thank you. So the topic today kind of grows out of last week's episode. I think an off-the-cuff comment was made about Peter, and that's Peter Chris, um, that someone took to be an insult. And it, it raises the question... Do the different members of KISS and throughout the history, do they get treated differently from one another? Um, do certain members get a pass? And other than Tommy Thayer, do certain members always you know, seem to get bagged on? Because, of course, no one bags on Tommy and no one ever has. Um, so it it's a little bit about are we treating the members of the band we profess to be fans of fairly? Um, and, and that's a general statement for everyone out there um and i'm gonna you know just kick it open and say yeah peter is sometimes a very easy target um god bless him you know he's a fantastic person you know what he contributed to the band in the 70s in particular and i will also say on the reunion tour where he really worked hard and had to work a lot harder than the others um being a drummer um, and hitting stuff for that whole show and also being older than the other guys. So I always saw him as something of an MVP in that era. But in the original era, obviously, he was the backbone and he was on fire. You go back and listen to any of those recordings. And for those of you fans who are old buggers who actually got to see him back then rather than on video, know that he was absolutely a wild man behind the kit until maybe 76, mid-76. And then things started going down but yes he, i think he's he's a very easy target these days since he's essentially retired um he's dropped from sight he doesn't have a lot of interaction with the fans um a lot of it isn't very you know kind of positive uh in a sense that you'll only see him if you go to some obscure comic con and you get to see him you know, a couple tables down from Attila the Hun or something. Um, some guy who used to play Frankenstein in a theme park. Um, Half the cast of House, House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, <laughs> to, to that effect. And and maybe, you know, that's that's kind of where it comes from, that it's like Peter Chris. I think everyone respects as a, one of the originals, as the original drummer, as the guy who made all the classic albums with the band. But... Towards the tail end of, you know, his time with Kiss, he's using triggers, and it was like little kitty, you know, kind of arm movements. The guy was in pain. 
you know, we know that. We know he had physical challenges, and we know that he's had continued physical challenges with breast cancer, and who knows what else. I mean, he's 70 years old. So, yeah. But, yeah, he is, a, he is an easy target because he's also, you know, been spoken about in everyone else's books, you know, Gene and Paul and Ace in somewhat unflattering terms. Ken, I'm going to go straight to you on this, you know, before I dig myself a bigger hole, number one. Um, and, and let's talk Peter. Does he get the wrong end of the stick from the fans? You know, is he just too much of an easy target? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think he gets as bad as uh, some of the newer, newer members. Um, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> I'm not going to say who <laughs> at the moment. Yes. But, uh, you know, um, I think you know, I don't see a lot of people bashing Peter except for his, you know, when it comes down to his him complaining or him saying that he's going to put something out and people are waiting forever for him to put this rock and roll album out that he's promised for years now, I guess. Um, you know, where is this thing? Um, every now and then he says he's still working on it. Um, but, uh, right. But you, you do know that cats sleep 22 hours a day, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so he, he's got a very limited window in which he can accomplish things during the day, you know, and you know, maybe half of the, uh, Time he's awake is spent cleaning, of course. Well, he does have nine lives. <laughs> Those so, are all gone. Okay. <laughs> he may have used uh, eight of them uh, up to now. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think, to me, Peter doesn't get too much of a bad rap. I think it's it's the the members that are not original get bad raps. So you don't think he's bashed unfairly when he does put out an album like One for All? Well, I think he's bashed fairly because <laughs> it, uh, it's it's not what Kiss fans are expecting from him. Um, maybe it's something he wanted to do on his own, and that music sounded good to him. Uh, but yeah, you can bash any music, like you can bash any Kiss album that may be, yeah. uh, uh, you know, underwhelming. So you know what though. In his in his defense, when has he ever put out an album that Kiss fans liked? I mean, ever ever since the Kiss solo records, he's never put out a Kiss album that they've liked. You know, Peter Chris has never done anything that didn't come with like a million complaints. You know, Chris can't one one bad though. That's probably my favorite Peter Chris album outside of uh, yeah, seventy eight. That okay. That's not bad. I mean, it's 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 not something I throw on all the time, but it's not awful. Oh come on, it's not awful. I have worse CDs stuff. in my collection than that. I mean, come on. Yeah, you gotta have some. Like re- revenge, right? God, yeah. Oh, re- oh, revenge. Even go oh down that was low. That <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, cat I heard number, your little comment last week. Cat, cat number one. I mean, that that was fine. I don't think anyone's really bad. People are more happy to see him return with that. But it, it seems to take a person. Everyone's heard like Ayatollah Chris Gola, the complainer, you know, shooting yeah. cr- shooting Christmas trees, you know. Well, okay, um, you know what though? Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but I have a little train of thought going on here. Just the problem with this is that he he says all these things, you know, in his book, and then he though know, he's he said things throughout the years, and then you know, when, once you say something and it's out there for everyone to read, 
you know, what do you expect? You know, like if you, if you put that out there, people are going to react to it, you know? And the, the whole problem with me, with, with Peter Chris, is that I, I've always loved his early stuff, just like you guys. I thought from the very first record to like about even, I'll even give him as far as maybe like rock and roll over. I thought he was fantastic. Okay. And I have no complaints about him, no qualms about him at all, but He's one of these guys, and he's not the only one. i got to preface this by saying this. He's not the only musician that I have this problem with. I've even for a little while had a problem with Getty Lee of Rush, my favorite band in the whole world. I've had a problem with him on this too, is that musicians sometimes let their abilities tend to slip, and they have nobody to blame but themselves for doing that. I mean, Getty at one point started becoming a really lackluster singer. He was a singer who was really wallowing and wailing and stuff like that, and he let it slip. And, you know, people always say, oh, it's age and this and that. But baloney, I mean, look at Steven Tyler. The man's getting old, but he can still hit those registers up there, no problem, you know. On, you know, And, you know, you can shake your head all you want, but he, he can still do it a lot better than, than some of these other people we're talking about now can do it. They've let, their, they've let their abilities slip. They maybe didn't work on it as much as they've had over the years. And, you know, if you don't practice on something, it starts slipping. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? And I think that's the problem with someone like Peter Chris, I think, is that he just, through the years, you know, the ability maybe just isn't there, you know? Maybe he just got worse and worse through it. I mean, look at Neil Peart, the guy, the guy, complete, you know, he's a, he's a walking, you know, bag of, like, soreness now. They have to stop with him. But he completed a whole tour, and it was absolutely fantastic. He was bandaged up everywhere and tied and stuff. But, you know what? He got it done, and you can't take that away from him. I mean, I don't know what, you know, people are talking about KISS, an organization who had, like, you know, lots of people at their disposal and lots of different things. They could have done maybe, maybe did more to help them get through their shows, you know, but... Mark, we're we're totally losing I'm interrupt right now. You real quick, Mark. <laughs> I think he's covered in snow right yeah. now. Yeah, let me interrupt you real quick. You know, Peter. Peter did a good job on the reunion tour, and you know when we did when we did our we did an episode of like our top threes a while back, and they asked like, well, who all? I, I, I forget if it was our top threes or we're we're talking about the different Kiss drummers, and we ranked our Kiss drummers one through three. And I rank Peter Chris my favorite Kiss drummer, even though everybody knows I love Revenge, and Eric Singer's a great guy. I've met him, I can't tell you how many times he knows my name when he sees me, because I've met him so many times. And he's, he's super nice, and Eric Carr, I never had the opportunity to see a Kiss show with Eric Carr. And, but, you know, his drum work on Creatures is, is great, his drum work on... Um, Asylum and other, and you see him on some of those tours. He's he's fantastic, but you know what? At the end of the day, Peter Chris is my favorite Kiss drummer. He's the backbeat of those first six albums, which makes Kiss relevant today. You know, and he and Julian said it too. He was dynamite in that reunion tour. He really was. And yeah, you watch some videos of that farewell tour, and you watch videos of that O three tour. And yeah, he is barely tapping those drums at all. You know what? He's hurting. He had, he lived a hard rock and roll life, and he was paying for it. Come ninety eight, two thousand, two thousand three, when he was on tour with Kiss. But I've met—I don't know if you guys have ever met Peter. I met Peter one time. It was at an event that Julian was describing at the onset of the show. 
Um, it was at a horror convention in Chicago. And yeah, I paid him money for his autographs, you know, for each autograph you had to pay. But he was super nice, though. He signed my leg. He signed my leg, you know, when I went and got it tattooed, like just like Gene Paul did on my profile picture on the FAQ. And he took his time and he really signed it nice. And he drew a little drum next to it. And, you know, and he, he was super nice. And I was showed him other, and he signed Destroyer for me. And he signed a couple other things for me, too. I, maybe it's because I had him sign quite a few things. And he was really cashing in on me. But it was so nice to me. I don't know. <laughs> but he was great. He, he couldn't have been nicer to me. And, yeah, I've heard stories of guys that have, like, run into Peter during the reunion tour and wanted Peter to sign something. And Peter, like, would, would, like, basically almost run the other direction. And, like, my buddy had to chase him down to get him to sign something. It's like, you know, it would take you less time just to sign your name than to go through the aggravation that it's taking you to not sign this. (laughs) But, and, like, he finally got him to sign, like, his old Kiss Lunchback from the 70s. And you can just barely see, like, the P in a scribble. And it's just like, fine, dude. Just, like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Get me out. <laughs> so it totally looks like. And, you know, and and that's and that's some people, that's just not their thing. They don't want to sign autographs, whatever. And, you know, and, I, and I get it. You know, the fans are what make you famous. So you need to take care of the fans. Absolutely. But my one experience one-on-one with Peter was fantastic. And I, I couldn't say enough nice things about him. Did he did he let his talents deteriorate, Mark? Yeah, he probably did. He he had a lot of fun come seventy six when he was making enough money to be able to have a lot of fun. But does he get a bad rap unfairly? Maybe. I mean, I, I remember I was at a uh, I was at a Kiss Expo in Indianapolis a few years back, and they were taking a picture on stage of all the kids that were there that were wearing Kiss makeup, and they were going to put it on, and Keith was going to put it on Kiss Online. And um, they said, you know, if you're, you know, okay, everybody, you know, like, if you're Gene, you know, stick out your tongue. If you're Paul, pot your lips. If you're Ace, um, put your thumb up. And if you're Peter, complain, they said. (laughs) (laughs) So I think he does get an unfair rap. You know, is, is, is everybody nice every time you meet them? No. You know, there's plenty of people out. I mean, you guys think I'm a nice guy, but you know what? There's plenty of people out there that probably think I'm a jerk too. So, you know, it's it's pers- I guess some of it's personal experience too. But the, I think he gets an unfair rap. You know, is he is he always pleasant to people? No, I've heard from other people too that he's can be a jerk. But yeah, but who can? Simple, simple exactly, as that. Exactly, yeah. and that's exactly my point. Yeah. Who can't be? A jerk? Or even the nicest person can have an off day where they're just to a fan. Would you leave me the hell alone while he's got his while he's got his whatever. fork in his hand? You know, it's like just leave me alone. I mean, when I met mm-hmm. Peter at a meet and greet, so obviously it's some it's a paid situation like yours is. You know, no. you know, and and but he was really into it and he really gave 110% he was really personable he was an absolute sweetheart in person where you know i i had time with him and i felt i had a good time with him and i will always me- remember and cherish that time i had with peter um similar sim- simple as that i mean you know he was really really nice and he was really appreciative and that was on the 03 tour by the way um right. and, did you beat and greet on the 03 tour yeah yeah okay um 
you know, I spent more time with him than any of the band members because, of course, everyone flocks straight to Gene and Paul at those things. And I didn't. I wanted to talk to Peter. And maybe that was unusual for him, but, um, you know, cool, cool experience. Okay, let's talk about Tommy, you know, going from 103 cat to the next. Tommy, I think, has always been given an unfair rap. And this also comes out of last week's um, kind of topic where you know, we spoke about Eric Singer breaking the taboo of being the first guy really to go and kiss makeup and go on tour with the band wearing the, you know, wearing, uh, well, Peter's makeup in that case. And he seemed to get away with it more than when Tommy did, because there was certainly an uproar in 01 when P when Eric put mm -hmm. on Peter's makeup. There, there's no denying it. There was, mm -hmm. you know, all sorts, you know, that's where the scab stuff comes from. Um, it was worse. It, I mean, it was pretty horrible. I, you know, and it, it was, here's this journeyman, here's this, you know, just a hired gun, he'll do anything for a buck type deal. But mm -hmm. people got over it pretty quickly, didn't they? Did it, maybe it helped that Peter came back in 03 and then he was out again and, you know, but yeah. when Tommy came into the picture, it, it was much worse. It was like handbags at dawn. People just freaking wigged out big time. Uh, Mark, you're back for a moment, so your your video actually <laughs> looks nice right now. So let's get your opinion on this before the uh, snow, you know. <laughs> well, honest, again. honestly, I I just think that he does get unfairly treated. I mean, I think that he's a great guitar player. He's done. What what was asked for him and more, I think. And frankly, I mean, what more what more can you want from a guy? He's been with the organization since who knows how long, like from far back. And you know, he I think he gets majorly un like treated unfairly in that aspect. I think that he's done everything that you want and more. And I think that his playing is really top notch. I mean, what? Why? What? What more could you want from him? Really, that's all. All I can really say about that. And I'll agree with you on that. You know, his playing is top notch, but I think people want to kind of measure it by black and blue, which is a very low measuring stick to kind of use in terms of guitar rock. You know, they were one of the generic '80s bands of absolutely nothingness that didn't really amount to much. They've got a couple of decent songs. Hold On to 18 is good. Um, and I can't even think of other ones off the top of my head, but there are a couple on uh, Nasty Nasty that I do kind of dig. Right. Um, and I will say that his guitar work and songwriting on Shake the Faith is fantastic. That is a really, really good album. And that's about all I've heard of Tommy Thayer outside of Kiss. Is he a good guitar player? Um, well, he didn't write all those licks that he plays every night with Kiss, but he does a damn good job of playing them every single night. Let's put it that way. He plays them extremely well. He puts everything into it. Now, I mean, now he's got the mannerisms, and he's kind of taken over the character and presents it well. So that that's just like a, a personal appraisal of him. I don't bash Tommy because I think he's critical. I think without Tommy, there wouldn't be a lot of the last 20 years, not just you know, the last, what is it, 13 since Ace did leave. But before then, we know he's responsible for a lot of things. Um, in the production world, on the DVDs, he's re responsible for millions of epileptic seizures with some of the editing work on Rock the Nation and the Symphony. <laughs> um, but that aside, he did do a you know a great job uh, working on those. So I, I just think he's just the easiest target for anyone 
to just hate on the band still existing, and it's so unfair when he does give so much. Yeah, you know what, though? I think that that's a really interesting point that you brought up, because if there's one thing that I always see people complain about is, oh, there's not enough DVDs coming out, oh, there's not this coming out, or that's not coming out, but if but what has come out, you have him pretty much to thank for, for it coming out. So if he wasn't in the picture, all the things that you've been still complaining about, you wouldn't even have that out right now if it wasn't for Tommy. Right, and he is the, I believe, and I I may well be wrong, but I do believe that he is the unofficial catalog consultant, uh, the master of the keys to the vault. So we we have him to thank for things not coming out as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and if it wasn't Tommy at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if it wasn't Tommy wearing the Ace Freely makeup, playing and kissing, you know what? It'd be somebody else. I mean, let's be perfectly honest about it. If it wasn't Eric Singer, it'd be somebody else. So, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to attack them personally for either Eric or Tommy for doing what they do. I think I think they both do a great job. I've you know I've seen this lineup of the band's been in existence since 2004 for 12 years now. It's the longest lineup of of any kind for Kiss, and you know, Tom, Tommy and Tommy couldn't have been nicer the times I've met him. And you know, I th- I think he he gets it that people are, re- you know, the hardcore Ace Frehley fans maybe resent him for wearing the Ace Frehley makeup. I think he gets it. But at the end of the day, he's been in the band as long as he has. And this is it. If you don't like it, well, then don't come see him. Yeah, and it's it's like shit. You know, if if Ace isn't wearing the makeup and doesn't... Somebody else is going Everyone to. has to remember, Ace walked away. Ace wasn't... And sold the rights to the makeup. Ace wasn't told, don't come back. Ace was just like, ah, Curly. You know, I'm not going to that Jamaican show. And that's what started it. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Don't want to do it. All right, well, Tommy's here. Tommy has played ace in Cold Gin. Tommy knows how to play guitar. He knows which end to hold it. Um, <laughs> Tommy, you want to go to Jamaica? That's <laughs> what started it. You know, but but here we go. Does Tommy and get And then Ace didn't time? want to do 03. They asked Ace to do 03 when they were required to have three-quarters membership. They gave him first dibs. And he said no. He didn't want to do it. Don't forget about that. Yeah, but do you think he he gets treated worse than Eric? Eric. Now, oh yeah, absolutely. Eric now has been given yes. a pass because Eric was the drummer in the Revenge era. He had worn. Yeah. Well, because Revenge. He, he'd, great. he'd been well. <laughs> we're gonna have to have another episode on Revenge. Um, <laughs> he, he uh, you know, Eric Singer. He had a slow burn. I would call it into Kiss, um, so people got accustomed to him being part of Kiss. You know, starting with the Revenge era up to, you know, '95. Uh, so he's there. So I remember him, you know, putting on the makeup for the first time, seeing him in the makeup. I thought I was kind of a little bit shocked, and you know, but I wasn't mad. I thought, well, you know, that's an okay idea. So as far as Tommy goes. It was more of a shock because you didn't. They, I think most people didn't see him in Colts Inn, like you said. Most people, the videos weren't out yet. He hasn't even done that stuff. 
uh, for the most part, except maybe some a couple things in the in the nineties. Um, but he he is more of a, just popped in right away. Uh, though we know now that he played you know lead on a lot of Psycho Circus. So to me, Tommy was a bigger shock, and they shouldn't be bashing him anyway. I mean, it was a bigger shock. He got the makeup; it's Ace on there. I would have been okay with new makeup, but I understand the band thinks they're, it's going to dilute, dilute things. Um, yeah, and, sim- and, and simply put, they own it. They don't have to dilute it. A- exactly, and they own it. Now, the earthquake thing is, if you're going to blame anybody, you don't blame Tommy for taking the job. He's just doing his job. He's getting paid money. Doing it. You're gonna, if you're going to get mad, you're gonna, you should be bashing Gene and Paul for that. Exactly. Exactly. And if, if Gene and Paul asked you, if you were a lead guitar player or a drummer, and Gene and Paul asked you to join Kiss, would you say, oh, no, I, I couldn't do that. No, I, I tour the world, yeah. make millions of dollars? Oh, no, no thanks. No thanks. I'll, <laughs> I'll stay here what and if, work my nine to five. Yeah, what if, uh, you know, Paul Stanley was asked to be in a Led Zeppelin, for instance, you know, back. Or Axl Rose was asked happened, to be in you know? Oh, man, don't go there. Axel Rose, yes. oh, yeah, that's, a, that's another case. Right I, I, I'm but, sorry. I, I had to. It was too easy. No, Ken set it no, up for me. Because <laughs> I, I was typing a response to someone. What do you think about Axel being you know, the front man of ACDC? I was like, Angus Young has obviously lost it and needs to join Malcolm in the care home. <laughs> Ax, sorry. Ax, Ken Axel set it up. Oh, my God. Okay, thank you. Continue. So where are we? So, yeah, I said, you know... Hey, it's it's not, you know, like I said, Eric had a slow, you know, he was kind of, people were somewhat accustomed to him, so he, he, you know, it worked out better for him. And maybe part of it, too, is, you know, the thing with Peter's diminishing skills or, you know, his pains that, you know, uh, were bothering him at the times, you know, you're getting a good drummer coming in to back kiss and uh you can't complain too much about that in my opinion no but yet you know a few years ago when ace and peter got together was it the eddie trunk thing you know right. and, and played well they play hooligan and something else um you know and, can. and you know peter did just fine for two songs yeah you know. but then you saw him on that rob zombie thing playing god of thunder and it was pretty brutal it was not good at all you remember? Do you guys remember seeing that? No. no? Just, yeah, I, you, I, you I just said Rob. He played with Rob Zombie yeah. at, in, when they were in New Jersey or something like that, and that. and he had Rob Zombie's drummer playing along with Peter, and it it was pretty brutal. It was it was not good. Um, but going back to what you guys were talking about, Tom, we're talking about Tommy. And do you guys remember the first time you saw Tommy in the Ace Frehley makeup? Because there were. They teased us with it a couple times. Once on the, that Dick Clark special, mm-hmm. and on remember VH1 had a that '70s show special, and him and Eric and Gene and Paul kind of appeared on a that '70s show special on VH1 where they're promoting that '70s show going into syndication. Um, and I remember seeing that lineup of Kiss for the first time on those two instances around 2002. And I was really, I mean, I support the lineup today, but at the time in 2002 when that was happening, I was really disheartened that 
this is what it's come to. And I think that's what a lot of Kiss fans felt like, you know, that, well, really, this is, we've, we've done the farewell tour and, and this is what, this is what we got now. This is what it's come to is that, okay, I've, it's 2002. I've moved on a year, year and a half since I saw the first image of Eric Singer wearing the Peter Chris makeup. And now I got this other guy that I don't even know. And a lot of Kiss fans didn't know who he was. Yeah, I might, I might have seen his name on the Hot in the Shade rap, you know, that he that he wrote a couple songs on Hot in the Shade. But the majority of Kiss fans don't even know who this guy is. And there he is wearing this iconic makeup and, like, this untouchable makeup in their eyes because it's Ace Frehley's makeup. And I don't even know who this guy is. And all of a sudden, he's a member of Kiss. And but isn't it, that it, was disheart- they- it was disheartening at the time for me. And and I've grown to I've grown to accept it, and I and I'm fine with it. I don't have any qualms against today's lineup. But it but it was a little disheartening and a little shocking at the time for me. Mark, you know it's funny because what you just mentioned there isn't that what the Kiss original formula what they always wanted though. Like when they got Eric Carr, they wanted an unknown in to replace Peter. So yeah, but when Eric they brought in Tommy. Like, we, can, we can we can have this argument. Day. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying that. No, but I'm just saying that when they brought in Tommy, you know, you were saying that he's an unknown that nobody knew about him. In a sense, well, should not have been looked at as good. I mean, isn't that what they've always wanted whenever they brought in somebody like that? You know, like they wanted to know. I can look up what this guy looks like on the internet. But the problem was he wasn't unknown <laughs> enough. You know, <laughs> because yeah. people did know Black and Blue, and people yeah. people did know. You know, the, the fanzines throughout the '90s had plenty of history on Tommy Thayer and the stuff that he was working on with the band. You know, so he wasn't some kind of unknown who magically appeared one day out of a genie bottle, saying, "I am the new Ace Frehley." Um, <laughs> but one thing that kind of that strikes me was: did this occur? You know, too close to that kind of awful movie Rockstar coming out where mm. true to remember it, that you oh. know did that color people's opinions of both you know Eric and Tommy you know that you 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 and and in in Tommy in Tommy's case it really was a guy coming from a club band Cold Gin yeah they did a little bit of touring internationally and they had some cachet with the band to play you know, events, but come on, they were still a tribute band at the end of the day coming in and replacing the guy in the band. So, you know, that's just a little bit too much art, of, you know, imitating life or vice versa. So, you know, it, it, I, it, Mark, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I never, I never ever thought of that until you just brought that up now. Like I never, that never struck me at all, but I mean, it is an interesting point because, you know, that movie, I remember when it came out, before it came out, actually, a lot of people were all excited about it because the rumor was that it was supposed to, you know, go 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 over the whole Ripper Owens story about him joining Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. And then when he came on one of those magazine interviews and said that, you know, Judas Priest, like, separated themselves from that movie because they didn't like the way they ended up finishing the movie, that they, it, it totally went away from what happened kind of deal. Then everybody started getting sour on the movie even before it came out because they're saying, well, they're, you know, Judas Priest isn't tying themselves to it anymore. So, you know, it almost seemed like people, you know, snubbed it before it even actually came out. But I've never would have thought of that unless you just brought that up now. You know, it's, a, it's an actually a really good point. I mean, did people, you know, see too much of a resemblance in it and 
did it affect people's thoughts? You know, I, I don't know either way, but I, I know that when I was waiting for the movie to come out, there was a lot of excitement around it. And then when, as soon as priest disassociated themselves from it, all of that kind of disappeared. Yeah. It is so based on priest though. I mean, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I do not like, uh, what was it? Some of the movies, uh, like Detroit Rock City, I'm not a fan of those sort of rock movies. I actually liked Rockstar, and it, if it's on, I'll actually flip on it, and it's not just because of Jennifer Aniston, but uh, that certainly September helps. September 2001. <clears throat> well, it's it's an interesting movie, but I mean, friend. but the whole ending of it, though, is not, I mean, you know, Tim Owens isn't in the part of playing acoustic guitar songs now at the end. He's He's still playing, you know. That whole ending of it was kind of, you know, they just kind of made a Hollywood ending to the movie. I think that's what they didn't like about it, right? Yeah, and, you know, that's Hollywood. Whereas... You know, I, I think, uh, I, I know that movie, but I, I think with, as far as Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer, even if they had new makeup, people would be still bashing them. <laughs> it wouldn't make any We'd difference. find a different reason to bash. Yeah, exactly. There's just still, they're not an original I mean that the core, the core four, um, original guys. Um, so they're going to complain about it, whether it's new makeup, you know, the elephant makeup, whatever <laughs> makeup it may be. Uh, they're still going to complain about the two, the new guys. That's a prerequisite to being a Kiss fan. You have to be able to complain about everything and everything. It just seems like well, you can't yeah. you can't satisfy them with anything. You know, I mean. So we know. we are all Peter Chris's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially we're all Peter gets a bad because Peter Chris is honest. He wears his heart on his sleeve and he tells it how he feels it. So, you know, yeah. Kiss fans, we're we're just like Peter. We're not gonna we're not gonna put icing. We're not gonna turn it into a cliche. We're not gonna speak through tongues or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of the other members because one of the things that did get me on the board one time was. Um, Eric Carr came up in a thread, and uh, you know people started giving him a hard time, and I I really took offense at that. You know, it's it's like I didn't know Eric, I never met him, I never saw Kiss with him, um, and we all know now that there was more to Eric Carr's story than just the glossy pictures that there were. You know, personal challenges going on in his life, you know, especially Hot in the Shade tour. But I can understand anyone bashing Eric Carr. That to me, that just seems to be off limits. Totally off limits. I mean, he, you know, same with Mark St. John to a certain extent. Now that they're gone, it seems kind of unacceptable to speak ill of the dead. Sim- simple as that. They're yeah. gone. They they don't get to defend themselves. We don't know what would have happened. We don't know their stories. We, we don't know their side of the stories. No. Um, we don't have an Eric Carr autobiography. No, and no. and the one that was put together, you know, has a lot of gaps. Right, and, Eric. Yeah, and and it really feels like it's you know written slanted from the views of certain people. That there's still a lot being hidden, rightfully so, that doesn't need to be discussed. You know, there is stuff that is none of our business. Simple as that. You know, so Eric Carr. Thoughts on him? I mean, have you have you witnessed any of the bashing? And do you think that, I, I guess, any of it would ever be acceptable? You know, it's okay to be negative about Eric and still, you know, be a fan. Well, I mean, honestly, I I personally have never seen any of the bashing. I mean, I probably was maybe on the board that time when 
those those messages went up. But I, I find that difficult to believe, to be honest, because like I like we've all been saying, I've only ever heard good things about Eric, and I've only ever heard these great stories, you know, about whenever fans have met him. I mean, I have that that one Kiss book there, that uh, one that talks about all the fanzines, and uh, everybody that's ever written a fanzine. If there's one thing I've always noticed about that is that one of the first people they always get in them is Eric Carr. It always seems like he was the first one to help out the fans. If you need an interview, I'm your man, you know, and it just seemed like everybody loved him because he was there for the fans. When you talk about a KISS member that's literally there for the fans, it was him, you know? So why he got he would get a bad rap ever, I, I just can't imagine at all. Like, I mean, it just seems unbelievable to me. Lonnie. Yeah, I think for the most part, I think Eric really gets left out of any kind of, you know, hatred or anything like that. Um, you know, Eric, Eric, because I think I think a lot of people compare the situation with Eric Singer to, you know, well, Eric Carr had his own makeup, and you know, I, I think Eric is held to a higher esteem, and and it's almost put on a pedestal to some point. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of bashing on Eric Carr, and, and anyone who does go out there and start bashing Eric Carr for for any reason, the guy's been dead since 1990. One, you, one. Thank you, Julian. That's what I get for being on the show with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's 25 years that that Eric Carr has been gone. Are you really going to bash a guy that's been dead for 25 years? I mean. That tells me a lot about who you are if you're out there bashing Eric Carr for any reason. And, you know, and you can come after me for saying that. I don't care. You know, if you're bashing a guy that's been dead for that long, who really, you know, we talked to, you guys talked last week about how, how, uh, Eric Singer might have saved Kiss. Well, you know what? You could make the argument with Creatures of the Night how Eric Carr might have saved Kiss and gave Kiss a new sound at, at the time when they really needed it. So anyone who wants to bash your car, you, you know, send, send your hate mail to me. And that's totally absurd. But does he get a free pass for being deceased? I don't think he gets a free pass for being deceased. And I don't, and I, I don't know what you're going to bash your car about. And yep. if, if at the, at the end of the day, really, what are you bashing that guy about? Right. Peter Chris was out of the band. He was kicked out of the band. It was three. It was, you know, they decided he was gone, that they couldn't continue on with Peter Chris. They brought in an unknown, which was good at the time because they're still wearing the makeups pre-internet. They could bring in a guy, you know, they're still concealing their identities, you know, and he, and he did a f- fantastic job. Watch those Australian bootlegs from 1980 when he first joined the band. He's fantastic. And watch, watch anything with Eric Carr. I don't, I don't, I don't know of a bad bootleg or a bad, anything I have with Eric Carr on. I really don't. Because I mean, the drumming was always solid as can be. So, does he get a free pass? I, I, don't, I don't think he needs a pass. Right, he doesn't need a pass. And, Amen. And coming from my, uh, my uh, I guess, um, view, is when I was into KISS at, back then, um, I only was into them for three years before... You know, knowing Peter Chris as the drummer for three years, right? 77 to 79 was my little era when I started out, uh, you know, when I was really into them. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, 
oh, Peter Chris has left, and here's, you know, they're introducing, you know, Eric Carr. <clears throat> Excuse me, Eric Carr on the, you know, Kids Are People Too show. Um, and I was like, oh, well, okay. You know, I, I, I didn't freak out about it, but I wasn't a, a fan that started out in 74. Uh, maybe if I started a little earlier, maybe I would have went, oh, what the heck is this going on here? But, you know, I had no problem. I had no problem with it. Uh, I said, okay, it's a new guy, new makeup, Fox. Okay, yeah, let's see what he can do. And, hey, he was, he was darn good. And the other thing is maybe people were bashing him back then. Uh, but, again, yeah, like Lonnie was saying, you know, that was pre-internet there's no internet back then. If you had to bash somebody, you had to do it. Write magazines, uh, you know, notes in the Rolling Stone or Hip Parader or Circus or whatever it may be, um, you know, uh, and complain about it. And so, an and so, would take those letters and crumple them up and throw them in the garbage can where they belong. Pretty, unlike pretty what we have now with the keyboard warriors who get to get their knickers in a twist and type some hateful, stupid, inane comments, and boom, enter. It's there for the world to see how stupid they are. Exactly. You know, that's, an, that's an interesting point, though, Ken. What if there was an internet in 1980 or there was a cassette EQ message board in 1980? <laughs> the world would have blown up by now. Well, <laughs> but, but been you guys know where I'm going. Well, what if there was an internet and an FAQ message board in 1980 you know how would have kiss fans reacted would they have been pissed off that what are you doing you know peter chris wrote beth peter chris did this for the band peter chris did that for the band how can you continue on without peter chris and that fox makeup looks stupid and you know how how can you do that do you think that would have been the case Maybe not as as much because at that time, 1980, you had uh, probably a lot of the fan, Kisses fan base was, well, the older fans were dropping off, going to something else. And then the you were getting the, the maybe the nine-year-olds to 15-year-olds <laughs> that span liking them. And it probably would have, wouldn't have been a bigger deal to them. It's like another uh, member of... But you said you took it in stride, though. You were okay with it. I took him in stride. I had I had no problem with it. You know, I said he left. Okay, he left. I mean, I'm not gonna cry over it or anything like Peter Chris. Right now, but uh, I said, well, that's fine. Let's see. You know, hopefully the band keeps going on because I I love the band and I just wanted it right. to keep going. So let's move on to another. The next target sequentially is Vinnie Vincent, and mm-hmm. for anyone who is online tomorrow that's the 25th uh check out decibel geek podcast and see if they get an episode up <laughs> simple as that um, it's a deep tease <laughs> well who who knows um at this point i'm just going by what everyone else has uh read on facebook at this point so um Vinny, unfairly treated easy target i mean those loafers sure made him an easy target <laughs> You know, pe- easy pe- targets a good pe- people could people complain that you didn't see him um people read the fanzines what was it uh what what was jupe uh van pelt's fanzine kiss collector um you know the episode of him in europe in 96 the saga i mean there's just no word that really puts it into it gives it the full shape and color of just how crazy that whole episode is um 
you know, no music, something finally comes out, and it, it did come from him, Speedball Jam. I mean, 76 minutes of, I don't know what the hell you'd call that. But, um, Awful. Awful is what you call not, it. Not even separated into different tracks. I mean, just like one hell of a long run-on sentence like I'm doing now with my monologue. Um, <laughs> and when you balance that with what Vinny does while he's a member of the band... And yeah, we hear some of the batshit crazy behavior that Gene and Paul have accused him of, um, and the the lawsuits. Vinny, don't sue me. Um, is Vinny treated unfairly, or has he kind of made his own bed? And I'm I'm going to say he's probably made his own bed, um, but he really, again, seems to be someone who's in need of help. And I hope, I hope he finds that. We know he's had challenges in his life as well, personally, with the murder of his ex-wife, the death of his second wife. So, you know, some unpleasant things. And he did keep losing in court repeatedly against Kiss and mm. ending up having to pay them, give him his royalties to pay them. So made that bad. But, you know, he does seem to get bashed quite a lot. And he seems to be probably more popular to bash than even Tommy. What's your, your guys' thoughts on Vinny? Lonnie? Well, I, I think Vinny is an easy target for people. And he's come become like a like a punchline for a lot of a lot of groups to today. Um I think I think Vinny's contributions to KISS were very significant and you know, I with, without his contributions on on creatures and his contributions, I mean, he. I mean, you could make the argument that "Lick It Up" is almost a Benny Vincent solo CD with Gene and Paul singing the lyrics on those. I mean, he co-wrote. Yep. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Almost all the songs, and then make you know, makes "Return on Revenge." Co-writes a few songs there, and you know, I think I think Vinny gets treated on. I think if anybody gets. And, and Vinny has his his problems. Don't get me wrong. You know, Vinny is not, you know, an upstanding guy. We've all heard the stories of of him touring on those conventions in '96, and you know, him never signing his contract. And he's in the band, and he's you know, he's he's this and he's that, and he's a pain in the ass. But he's in the band this way. You know, he he was gone. But you know, I I think Vinny does get treated a little bit unfairly. You know that. You know, he he's a very gifted musician. You know, I I don't care for Euphoria and and things like that, but I do like those those early Invasion albums, and I do like his work on Mark's little snickering like the Dickens over there. And I said I like those Invasion albums. <laughs> I saw it. And, <laughs> you know, I, I I think he does. What do you guys think? I think he's treated unfairly. Honestly. Oh, I can't hear you, Mark. Breaking up. And <laughs> <laughs> I just think that, for me, I think it's a bit sad. Actually, I mean, he's 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 a good writer. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, the kiss stuff that he did with them was really good. I really loved those songs, and I liked that era that he was in. Yeah, and like he said, yeah, maybe he had his issues and his problems even back then. But you know, we we weren't privy to them at that time we just knew that the music was good and we knew that we enjoyed the songs it's only later on when we have all these other podcasts and people come out of the woodwork and start talking about stories about them that we learn the full scope of it right so um 
Yeah, I think he made his bed, obviously, because when you hear all these things that happened, I mean, how can you think differently of him when you hear all these things, right? But I wish it wasn't that way. He was a he was a good writer and a good guitar player, and I I wish he would have kept it together more, and maybe we would have got more out of him. That was good, you know. My God, if there's anyone I would love to hear new music from, that would be Vinny. I would just love to know what he is writing. When you talked about Steven Tyler going country earlier, I was nearly wetting myself thinking of that idiot, you know, going country. But Vinny could do anything, any style of music. I mean, he's just got the repertoire to do it. I would just love to see. I don't care if it's him sitting on a stool with an acoustic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not doing 110 miles an hour. Set, or urinating on his electric guitar. I would just like to see him do anything musical at this point. You know, you, you talked about the Kiss Vault earlier, and Tommy has the keys to the Kiss Vault. I would love to know what is in the Vinnie Vincent Vault. I mean, I bet there are some gems out there that we don't even know about. We know what's in the Vinnie Vincent Vault because he publicized a, a lot of it when he was putting his box set together. Um you know, and I think he's probably got similar sorts of work tapes to what Bob Daisley has recently shared some of his holy grails of mm-hmm. his work with Ozzy at late seventy nine and Randy Rhodes. You know, he just put up some samples on a little feature and some of them are, you know, just boombox kind of re- recording. You're you're noodling around with guys and you've just got the boombox going so that you don't forget what you're playing, so you can go back and reference it. He's probably got those for like I Love It Loud or Loud and Proud as they, they called it. You know, so a lot of that writing session he's probably got, but he can't use because Kiss owns his ass now. <laughs> Simple as that, which is such a shame that we were likely, we're more likely to hear stuff out of Kiss's vault than Vinny's. And Vinny's the one who could profit more from getting it up on iTunes. So, you know, that's the real shame to the whole situation with Vinny is, is that his, his situation has gotten so dire. That, I mean, he's trademarking everything, you know, and kind of fighting a guerrilla battle against Kiss. And his career has been dead for 20-something years at this point. So, Yeah, he's. I think he's, he's gotten a bad rap uh, to a degree. But, yes, he's brought a lot on himself. Um, but you know what? Let's just stop kicking him when he's down. This guy's obviously got some problems. And people need to lay off of him. I mean, I keep hearing things. People all the time out there listening to podcasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, you know, let's just bring his name up every time and pick on. We don't know. You don't, you haven't lived his life. You don't know what he's been through. Um, maybe again, he brought some of the stuff on, on his, on himself, but you know, come on, lay off. I just hope the guy's okay. And, Mm-hmm. living well and, and and doing all right i mean um you know i think what he needed and it's just too much ego or something at the beginning when he joined with kiss and he needed like a, a someone with him all the time i think to babysit him uh, to a tell leveler. him the right things to do someone good um you know i, I don't i don't know it's it's just kind of sad it's really too bad because we could have gotten a lot of great music out of him i think and that we're missing just think of what that does do to an ego, though, that you basically come in and save a band of that stature. You come in, and your first real contributions are you know, a couple of songs on Creatures, 
and then you're touring with the band, and then they utilize you 100% and you provide Lick It Up. I mean, Jesus. I mean, it's... He knew it. Too much too soon, maybe. Too much. And and we know that he had tendencies, because we've heard the stories from the guys in Warrior. But, you know, your voice of reason, Ken, is, you know, well taken. You know, I don't think any of us as KISS fans should really be wanting to kick a person, a human, when they're down. And it's more important to maybe wish him personal happiness and satisfaction rather than anything else. Forget the vault, forget the songs, the demos, the music, or anything. This is a human being. You know, can can he sleep at night comfortably and not worry about people, you know, and yeah. just be happy? That's far more important than anything else, and totally agree with you. Yeah, I think that's a great, really great point, Ken. I mean, the whole thing about maybe having somebody with them, because you look at some of these other stars now i mean a lot of them you hear stories about how they bring their friends along or they maybe bring someone with them just to keep that sense of reality with them to not let them go too overboard to have somebody with you there to kind of nudge you in the ribs to say hey listen don't let don't go too overboard maybe it was something that he would have needed but it benefited from having you know if he had that with him maybe he wouldn't have went off so far in the deep end and things would have been different yeah, so you know yeah. th- that that's a great point, you know, and it's just such a shame that you know, Kiss. I, I think we've all come to know from the stories that we've learned can be a very toxic environment, um, you know, for people. That there are the negatives and the positives that go along with it, and how different members of the band have handled it. Let's move on to the next guitarist, you know, Mark St. John. I, I I don't think he is treated unfairly or fairly. He's not really treated. He's kind of a an afterthought really his contributions to the band were so fleeting um he started doing the kind of the expo circuit as well and seemed likable enough and no one really knew much about him he's he's always the enigma for me in the band that no one really knows much about him before kiss and then after kiss there's not a whole lot about him either i mean obviously he did white tiger and then hooked up with peter chris with basically peter chris joining white tiger um and then there's not a whole lot he he there's not much to know about him so i don't think he's treated fairly un- unfairly i think we often joke about the bumblebee guitar playing and and he's just a, like illustrative of what guitar players were doing at the time he's very much from that period there are some videos of him pre-Kiss up on YouTube now, and he's doing blues jams and some pretty heavy music. I mean, straight out of kind of the Yes prog um, player sphere. So, you know, he, he was a good musician without a doubt. And, yeah, I threw Yes out there for you, Mark. So. Yeah, Mark's going. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of, kind of caught me back there for a second there. I, I haven't seen this video, so I might have to check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to see if I can find the links to it because I, I can't remember which one of his uh, bands it was, whether it was Dolly or some other one. But um, there, there is a guy on the FAQ board, MC Pecco, who does do insane trolling of pre-Kiss band members. And, I mean, he's come up with some really obscure stuff, and I think it was he who posted the links to this video stuff um, that one of the keyboard players for one of these bands had posted. So um, you might have to do a search on the FAQ for that, but it, it was it was certainly worth seeing uh, to kind of mm-hmm. get more of a feel. I mean, f- with Eric Carr, we can go back and see a Cellarman creation, Salt and Pepper, all of his stuff before he comes into the band. You get a little bit more feel for them musically. Same with Vinny, uh, with all the stuff that he had out. So, Mark St. John, you know, I don't think we'll we'll dwell long on him. What are your thoughts on him, Lonnie? 
you know, I, th- I think marketing gen for a lot of people is more more of an afterthought than, than anything else. Not to not to take anything away from him, but because of the fact that he played on on one album and the fact that he played two and a half shows live with the band, that you know, you're you're, you're and they was forced out of the band because he had a problem with his hand, and then. He died, you know, an, an untimely death. He died early. And really, you're going to, again, you're, you know, almost back to the Eric Carr thing, you're, you're going to pick on a guy like that who, you know, won the lottery, basically, that he was, you know, asked to join Kiss and didn't get to fulfill it and that he didn't get to tour with him. So, and, and would he have lasted in Kiss? Would, you know, say... You know, it wouldn't have happened with his hand, and that he would have been able to tour with them, and Bruce Kulick wouldn't have been asked to come in to tour during Animalist. Would he have been asked back to do Asylum? Well, I don't know, and 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 no one here does either. So, I think it's, you know, really in bad taste to get to give a guy like that a hard time too, because, you know, it's like someone giving you the winning lottery ticket, but saying, well, you can't go catch it. Yeah, or you had the or you had the winning lottery ticket and you washed it in your pants in the laundry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that the main point here is that we just didn't have enough time with him to make any real sort of assessment. I mean, what he did give us, I thought, was good. I mean, sure, Animalize is not the the greatest Kiss album, but it was still good. He did some he did some fine guitar work. I mean, as a guitar player, I can appreciate what he did and what he brought to the table, and I mean. It's a. Uh, he was technically excellent. I mean, he was exactly what they were looking for at the time, and from what they described, what they wanted, he was that. That's what what they wanted. He was a full out shredder who could do everything from two handed tapping to whammy bar diving to you name it. Everything that was happening then, he was able to do it. And you know, it was just it's just time was the enemy. We like you said, we didn't have enough time. In the picture with him, we don't know what would have happened if he would have stayed, if the hand would have been fine. You know, what would have happened? I mean, again, I've, all these other podcasts that are popping out of the woodwork now and having all these stories from people that have been around him maybe longer than some of us have and know a little bit more about his backstory, have things to say and to talk about. But, you know, again, people, sometimes people have trouble in their lives and sometimes. It's hard to not to kick some things out of your life, and it's unfortunate what happened. And you know, I just wish he would have been around longer and would have gave us some more music because, by the sounds of it, you know, he was a really great guitar player. I mean, I was genuinely taken aback just now when when Julian mentioned the whole thing that he was playing something that was along the veins of yes. I mean, I'd love to see something like that out of him. You know, I mean, I love that stuff. That kind of technical playing is right up my alley, right? So obviously he had the skills. It's just too bad he wasn't able to use more of it. Yep. Lonnie, Ken, any quick thoughts? And then we'll get yeah, into, get into the last more, right. That's all right. I have nothing more on it. I mean, same, same, much... same voice of reason that applies to Vinny applies to Mark, doesn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And yeah, he wasn't around, like you said, Julian. I mean, he was, it was a short period of time and we didn't really get to know him at all and uh uh you know when i saw them on animized tour yeah he was gone of course he didn't last long he was gone as quickly as as quickly as you learned about him it's like oh okay he was was gone (laughs) it's like okay what happened to him but uh 
I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he was decent. Uh, obviously, a, a talented guy. I, I don't know, you know, again, if he would have continued, like Mark says, you know, going if he didn't have the hand problems or or whatever it is, or that was a, just an excuse to the band to say, yeah, it was the hand problem. That's why you're gone, and it was really other reasons possibly. So, I don't know, um, but uh, yeah, I I have no problems with them. I I don't think anyone should be bashing them about anything. Yep. No bashing of anyone anyway. Uh, Bruce Kulik. And someone actually posted a thread on the FAQ recently, which was looking for negative experience with, with Bruce Kulik. <laughs> negative looks, experiences with Bruce. I just nearly peed myself at the, the prospect of, yeah, uh, I can understand Bruce having a, 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 a bad day or being rushed or being you know, involved in something else, being maybe brusque with someone. Um, but a bad experience with Bruce. I mean, is such a thing even possible? Um, and does Bruce get bashed? No, he doesn't get bashed. Does he get treated too nicely? No, because he's just so freaking nice and so real. So I, I don't think there's even anything to say about Bruce, that he's neither treated fairly or unfairly. He's treated exactly how he should be for being the awesome human that he is. He's so nice. Yeah. I saw him with Grand Funk a few years back, and he played a a casino just close to my house and me and my buddy went to go see him. It's Bruce Kulik, you know? And we wore, and I wore a, uh, a union shirt. Remember it had that, it was a union shirt that just had that Shakira symbol in the middle of it. And we're standing like first or second row. And he looks at me and he points at me. Cause he sees that shirt and he goes, and he looks at me and goes, you're here for me. And we're, and we're like, yeah, we're here for you. And, you know, it was it was a grand funk show. I don't know if you guys have seen him or not, but it was really good. So we're, me and my buddy are hanging out after the show. And maybe half hour after the show's over, he comes he comes out from behind stage, puts his arm around us. He goes, what are you guys drinking? I'll buy you guys a round of, a round of drinks. Nice. Like, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have, he didn't have yeah. to come out at all to see us, much less come out and say, hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for coming out. What are you guys drinking? I'll Next round's on me. First cool, it just bought me a beer. How freaking cool is that? <laughs> cool. You know? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say this. I've met him a couple of times, and they were always at the NAMM show when I went. And I'll tell you something. There, you will never hear a bad story about this man because there's nothing bad to say about him, like we just said. I mean, I've met him, like I said, three times. And... Out of the three, there was actually one time where I actually did catch him at a time when he could have had every right to just say, hey, you know, get away, kid, you bug me kind of thing. And he I didn't do it. He, he actually, I actually apologized to him because I didn't realize he was in the midst of something because I came to him from his back was facing me, right? So he, and he, I apologized to him right away and he said, hey, he, he said not to worry about it. You know, if you want a picture, come on. And he, he was really super cool about it. I mean, I even told him I didn't want a picture. I just, wanted to say hi because I met him the year before and just to talk and he remembered me which was really strange because I'm sure he meets lots of people there but you know it, it was he was a really genuinely nice person and he always makes you feel like you can come up to him and talk to him and talk about anything and like I said before going to those kind of conventions the best thing to do is just to talk about anything but music sometimes because they're so surrounded by it you know if you talk about baseball or anything they'll probably love talking to you you know so he was a great great guy i have nothing bad to say about him and i'll always be a supporter of bruce yeah he he seems like a very grounded person down to earth 
kind of guy and you know he just lets things roll off his back i mean he's and i don't think people i've never seen people you know bash him or call him out on things or write bad stuff about him i never heard anything yeah I, I, and that's why i couldn't believe someone actually posting a thread you know looking for you know negative yeah. experiences <laughs> with bruce i, I mean like, so it's like, kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Utterly ridiculous. That, that is as that is as showing our worst online when we start looking for right. negative things with Bruce. Uh, let's wrap up with Gene and Paul. You know, obviously they're the ringmasters of the band. Um, Gene, first, does he get treated unfairly? Obviously, he is somewhat like the Donald Trump of the rock and roll world. That he doesn't have that filter that goes between the brain and the mouth. And things just kind of, they just kind of <laughs> tumble out, free form, um, and to hell with the consequences of it. These days, obviously, he, he was, you know, a little bit pompous in, you know, the earlier part of the career, always a bit of a character. But he's such an easy target now. It's like Gene is full of shit. It seems to be the response of most people when he says something um, online obviously, because the reality is different than online being everything. So is Gene treated unfairly, or is he full of shit? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think he's treated unfairly. I think, yeah, he brings stuff up <laughs> you know, on himself with the comments he makes sometimes. Do you think like, he enjoys it, then? He does it deliberately to get a rise? sometimes it's deliberate, and sometimes it's just, you know, he just He's just not thinking. It's like why why say that? You know, he's like, sometimes I think why say even say that? But he he does say things, and um, I think down you know down deep he's a you know a good guy, but he's still you know hundred percent trying to promote Kiss. Stroke so his own every ego time he gets an interview, it's you know we're buying, we're selling something. Let, let's rephrase that. He's trying to promote Gene Simmons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and if Kiss yeah. gets promoted on the side. Well, that's that's to his well, that's still double, promoting Gene Simmons. Yeah, <laughs> two birds with one stone. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, he brings it on himself. Uh, though I don't get, he doesn't get bashed too often. Uh, I guess he does. <laughs> Think about it. But it doesn't feel unfair. You know, so they're they're the guys that are are driving Kiss, and and so people are always complaining about Kiss about one thing or another that the, about the music, about what they put out, about the set list, about not touring, about touring too much you know about the vocals going away um you know it's it's just those guys are going to be the biggest targets really in my opinion because they're the, the guys running you know driving driving the ship along or whatever you want to call it but uh yeah, yeah. They, they're driving the ship and they own the ship and they couldn't care less if you walk the plank so lonnie gene yeah i, I think gene gets gets bashed and you know a lot of it is deservingly so i mean gene has said a lot of crap over the years that oh yeah we're doing this so you know according to him last year this time you know they were going to write a new album that was going to be out this year where the hell is that you know and you know according according to gene that they're going to do this cgi this kiss was doing this big budget cgi film well where is that you know you're just you're just maybe maybe there was a maybe you put out some feelers for a cgi film but doesn't mean you're doing it you know what I mean? I mean, that's just Gene being Gene. And, and 
it's not fair to go out there and just spout off crap a lot of the times and say, well, yeah, we're doing this. When when you're you're not doing that. Maybe you want to do an album this year. Maybe you wanted to do this full-length feature film. But, you know, you, there's a reason why people say, you know, I can't talk about that just yet. It's because it hasn't been approved or it's not a go yet. You just don't go on wherever you're being talked to and just start, oh, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing that. And, and KISS fans get excited when they hear things like that. And if it's not true, you can't go out there and say that because then you're disappointing your fan base. Like, well, whatever happened to that? And then you get to the point where you are Gene Simmons and people are just looking at like, yeah, what the fuck ever? I, I can't trust anything you say. And I've been defending most of the guys. But I, I, I can say that, yeah, I think Gene doesn't get treated unfairly, but a lot of the bashing is justified. <laughs> That feature film is coming out this year. It's the oh gosh, yeah, it's Kiss in Vegas. Like... It's Kiss in Vegas. No, oh, it's not boy. the one I'm talking. About. <laughs> wait, wait. You mean the documentary? No, no. There, another supposed film a few years ago. You guess you remember that? I it was know. on your. Board. Well, the documentary one is. Probably not. You know, he wasn't even talking about that. Just, but you know what yeah, I'm saying. It's I know a, what you're saying. Yeah, he's other he, crap. He's, just, he's incapable of not talking about things and talks about oh, them and a, far a too. A Kiss early. Saturday morning cartoon that's coming to. We said that a decade ago. Where the hell is that? But that's that's always that been I'm his expecting problem. it, but it's just bullshit. But that's always been his problem, though. Is that it's bullshit, he's one? He's one. He's one of these believers, though. That if he goes and says it. It's like almost he believes that once it's been out of his mouth, it's going to happen. It's almost like he believes that when he says it, that that'll start some big thing happening in the background. Hey, Gene says it's a great idea. Let's do it. It almost seems like he believes. I have a song it's, called I Want to Rule the World. That's the next rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's that's how he is. He, he always thinks that if he says it, it will happen. And it just he just needs to find out. Just like you said, Lonnie, the problem is that he needs to realize that just because he says it doesn't mean it's going to happen, and when you, you do that enough that. times, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm saying that <laughs> you can't you can't do that because after a while, it's just going to be like the boy who cried wolf. No one's going to believe it after a while when you say anything, even when you do say something truthful. You know, it's just too many times, you know, giving us something that we hope for and then just being disappointed by it. And so, with that said, he he probably deserves what he gets in that sense. So continuously seeking approval, seeking attention, seeking, seeking, desperately seeking Susan. <laughs> All right. And let's finish up with Paul Stanley. Um, Paul Stanley does receive quite a bit of stick these days. Let us take out of the equation the voice. Um, let us take out of the equation anything uh, that isn't related to personality. Um, does he deserve the stick that he gets? Um, Paul Stanley for me has been the king of the band for so many years. He has been its heart and soul, its embodiment of its trials and tribulations that on one hand, I think that he, he says a lot of things that sometimes don't necessarily ring true or are wrapped in layers of cliches um, that they just become amusing. If you go to the 45 minutes of Paul Stanley stage raps on YouTube, um, that kind of speaks to that side of things. But I, I don't think he's as bad as Gene. He's much more measured. He's a politician 
kind of the Ross Perot of the band. Uh, <laughs> you know, where he 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 doesn't really speak. He can give you a long answer that says absolutely nothing. So you end up kind of calling him out on that. And yes, it's right, but no, it's you know you're not really bashing him. So I don't think Paul gets as much stick on that side of things. Um, and again, we're not wanting to talk about the voice. Um, that kind of leaves that whole side out. Mark, what's your thoughts on Paul? Well, I think my my uh, opinion is going to be pretty similar to yours. I think that uh, he's carried the band and been the, the leader of this group for a long, long time. And I think, unlike Gene, I think he's a lot more careful in his responses and a lot more careful about talking about projects that are supposedly up-and-coming than Gene is, for sure. I mean... He's been, you know, he's the last little while he's been saying that there's no plans for any album, you know, in the near future. And I believe him before I believe Gene at this, at this point, you know. So I think that, you know, if he, does he get bashed? Yeah, sometimes, but I don't, I just always think it's for the wrong reasons. I mean, if anything, I, I let things slide more with Paul because, I think if it wasn't for Paul, there wouldn't be a kiss. You know, he helped really steer it now, and they've been floating around pretty good for the last, you know, little while, and they've been doing things that, you know, you know, maybe wouldn't wouldn't have happened if he didn't take such a strong hand and, you know, took control of it. So I, I kind of let things slide a lot more with Paul. But, uh, you know, I... I if he gets bashed a bit here and there, yeah, maybe he does, but I don't think it's anywhere near as much as Gene, and and he doesn't deserve as much of it as Gene does, I think, in my opinion. I think his role as Captain Kiss, you know, he steered the ship through the stormy sea, you know, <laughs> certainly gives him a lot more of a pass in terms of maybe some of the, the you know, the stuff that people could take him out on. So, Lonnie. You know, I, I think Paul is much more genuine than people give him credit for. And you, if you follow Paul on, on Twitter or something, you need, watch the things that he posts, you know, he's very into his family and he posts pictures the other day of them out on vacation or where, wherever they were. And I, I think that he has found the things that are really important to him at this time in his life. And he is who he is, and he's not afraid to be who he is. And he's not out there spouting off about, we're doing this, we're doing that. You know, I'll believe Kiss is going to do a new album when Paul Stanley tweets, or Paul. I hear an interview of Paul Stanley saying, yes, we're in the process of writing music for a new album. I think Paul is careful with what he says. I was at, the, uh, I was at a Q&A with him at the Indie Kiss Expo a couple years ago, and Fans are asking him questions, you know, and most of them are just BS questions. But, you know, there were some serious questions in there, and he, he chooses his words very carefully so he's not misquoted. And I, I think he, like I said, I think he's the most genuine person of the band. Does he say, does he answer some of those questions without answering them like a politician? Sure, absolutely he does. Totally. But you know what? That's that's part of the deal sometimes. Um, as much as I criticize gene i'm not going to criticize paul I, I think paul is very genuine in who he is and 
says what he means, knows what's important to him. You know, he, they're not doing the Kiss Cruise over Halloween this year. They're waiting until November to do it because Paul said that it's important to him that he wants to go trick-or-treating with his kids. That's awesome. I think that's freaking awesome. You know what I mean? I mean, he's – and he's not a – you know, and maybe at 16 years old, I wouldn't think that's very rock star that Paul Stanley – you know, doesn't want to play a concert on Halloween because he wants to go trick or treating with his kids. But you know what? That is freaking awesome. He I mean he is very genuine and he is who he is and he's not afraid to tell you about it. So Yep, and cooking with Paul Stanley is cool. So any, anyone who criticized that, forget <laughs> it. It was cool. Ken, Paul Stanley. Yeah. There's not much to complain about there. Um he's like you said, he's been staring the ship pretty much I think at least from the maybe 80, you know, 80, 80. early eighties up till now, um, where I think maybe Gene had a little bit more input, um, in the seventies era, or maybe it was more of a team at that time between the two, but, uh, you know, and he was the quiet one, really. He didn't, he, he was there on lots of interviews, but he, he didn't bash people, um, say bad things. It's not until maybe the last 10, 15, you know, I don't know, so, or 10 years or so that he has uh, uh, kind of uh, lit things out about some things he's disliked about, maybe past members or, or whatever. Or current um, members. Or current members. Even, yeah. I mean, yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll come out against all, know, all since since Gene. All since remember. Tommy joined the band. Just remember that. All since Tommy joined the band. Right. So um, remember, Gene went invited to the Paul's wedding. Exactly. So, um, yeah. But you know, there's really nothing. To, he's the guy that's kept this thing going, and we're we're lucky to to have them still doing stuff, and hopefully creating more things for us. Hopefully, music, um, you know, to come, and maybe more, you know, more touring. Yep. So, you know, that that's awesome. And I just want to say about Paul Stanley, I want to look like him when I'm that age. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So I got, yeah. Lot, I got a lot of freaking work to do, but damn. <laughs> Start working out. <laughs> you know, just just the way he lives his life, I mean, is awesome. He, he just stays fit. He works hard. You know, yeah, he answers questions like a politician, I think. it, But mm. the CEO sometimes has to tell you you're fired without screaming it in your face. So, you know, I, I've got no problem with him saying things that come out very neutral or turn the answer around in a different direction that he wants it. I mean, he's the ringmaster. He, he, he's going to guide everything where he wants it to go. So, you know, I, I don't think he gets unfairly bashed. I think people do occasionally raise something about him quite legitimately. Um, but for the most part, I don't think he, he gets that much bashing because people do even if they've fallen out with the rest of the Kiss Army, if they've fallen out with their fandom, I think they always remember him because he's the voice of the band, because they know what he is to the band, and they know how he's carried that weight on his shoulders for so many years. And after reading everyone's autobiographies, they get a better picture of the weight that he really did have on his shoulders. So, you know. But I, I think let's wrap this up, you know. Um, yeah, there's a bit of bashing that goes on out there in Kiss fandom. Some fair, some unfair. Some even on the Kiss FAQ. No, you got the wrong site, dude. 
<laughs> where, where rose-tinted glasses and kittens and bunnies and all sorts of just happy shit, you know. We're singing in the grass, dancing like the sound of music. Okay, we're not, but I don't think I don't I don't think we'd want to either. You know, a no. little, a little bit, a little, a little bit of friction, a little bit of sand in your underwear doesn't hurt. So, <laughs> Ken, what do you think about that? You like sand in your underwear? Hell no. <laughs> All right, so that's the episode, gentlemen. Um, for everyone out there, thank you for listening. You know, chime in on the board on the uh, or on Facebook with on these topics because you know obviously this one's kind of generated off a previous episode and some of the comments that we do read. So we do love to read your your thoughts on these topics that we address because these podcasts are by the board for the board. So hopefully we will see you there. And thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Thank you.